Will you pray with me? Gracious God, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all our hearts together be acceptable in your sight through Christ Jesus, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Here in the time after Christmas in the season of Epiphany, and this is one of those remarkable years that comes along every six or seven years in which the day of Epiphany falls on a Sunday so we can celebrate together. Happy Epiphany to all. I don't know about you, but I'm planning to crash the party at the Martinez house later on, and <laughs> maybe I can find a king in the cake with the rest of them. That's uh, what a wonderful tradition. This, of course, marks the end of the 12 days of Christmastide, hence the, na the, the name of the song, The Twelve Days of Christmas. The time when, in days gone by, the church reminded itself of who and what it was really trying to be, a beloved community called together by Jesus Christ, our Savior, somebody a figure in history that the world has been trying to come to, to grips and trying to understand for over 2,000 years now. Remarkable figure in history by himself. Of course, we are the ones who are bearers of the great mystery to the rest of the world that in Jesus, the manifestation of God was made flesh and dwelt upon the earth. The letter to the Ephesian church contains the remarkable verses that Dan read so well for us this morning at the beginning of chapter 3, in which Paul proclaims rather boldly, now this is a man who was among the elite in the Jewish society and a full citizen of Rome. He had every opportunity, every door, every uh, every opportunity to make something of himself that could be afforded to anybody in that time and in that place. And he has come to refer to himself as a prisoner in chains, constrained by this calling in God to spread the word about Jesus. He can do nothing else with his life. And the word that he continually uses as we read through the letter to Ephesians, the word is Mystery. Mystery. It's been an odd career being called by God to go into ministry. I think Pastor Jerry would agree that ordained ministry finds us in our office on many days with people standing in front of us or sitting in front of us and asking us for answers to life's questions. A friend of mine was serving a church where they were starting a new preschool many years ago, back in the days when local merchants would show slides on the screen before the movies, movies in the movie theater. They weren't commercials, but they were just slides of the local realtor or the local this or that, and they were going to spend the money to uh, put a slide up about their preschool in the, in the theater. And he said, you used to do some marketing and advertising. Can you, uh, can you think of something we could put up on the, 
on the screen in the public theaters around our community. And I said, sure, that'd be easy. Find a couple of pictures of kids that have mohawks and tattoos and piercings everywhere. And, uh, and then just say this, it's too late for these kids, but we can still help yours. <laughs> he didn't think that was very clever. But I tell you, I've seen a, a parade of deeply wounded parents over the years of teenagers. Asking, calling, do you have a youth group? Do you have somebody who can help our children? Do you have somebody? Do you have the answers to what we're going through right now? And of course, I do not. My calling in Christ is to invite the church into mystery into a deep and a mysterious presence. For to say that Jesus Christ is the manifestation of God on earth and to invite people into communion with Christ is to invite people into communion with God. And there's so much we don't know about the universe in which we're living. How can we possibly think to know anything at all about the one who created the universe in which we're living? All we can confess is our own particular experience of mystery. And all we really have when we turn to the scriptures is the record of those who, inspired by this mystery, took the time to wrote, write down a few little reflections on how they understand the mystery of God to be operating in the world. Of course, at times of oppression, people wrote that God is a God of justice. God will not leave us in this destitute situation. God will hear our prayers. God will come swiftly. The steadfast love of the Lord endures forever, and these times will not last. And, and when the times are joyful, the psalmists and the others will sing words that say, when God restored the fortunes of Israel, we were like overcome with joy, like people who had been set free. We were like lambs turned loose into the pastures. We saw the mountains clapping their hands and the clouds skipping through the skies. There are occasions in all of the scriptures some people who look back longingly to the time of the Passover or the time of the resurrection and people who want to reflect on all the great work that God has done in our history. And there are others who look forward to the time when God will conclude all things. The scriptures contain the reflections of, of so many people. But the scriptures launch us into mystery. There are far more questions in these pages than there are answers. And a healthy church is a church that can freely admit that we are living on the verge of mystery. We are living with our toes curled over the abyss of a deep mystery. We only have a little piece of it to understand. But when all of the pieces are put together, a remarkable picture does begin to take place. You're all holding a tile 
in the grand mosaic of God's purpose unfolding in creation. And our word today from Paul is that the mystery of Christ was particularly revealed to him in one remarkable moment when he came to understand that this promise of God to Abraham and Sarah, that their descendants would number more than the stars, that this promise was meant not for a narrow particular sect of Judaism, but for all the nations. Paul came to see the the event of Jesus in the light of Isaiah's words as he spoke for the suffering servant and said, it's too small a thing that I should redeem one nation, but you shall be a light unto all the nations. The reason we tell the story of the wise travelers from the east is because they came from other places in fulfillment of that scripture, that the light of Christ would be a light to all the nations, that the light of Israel would be a light to all the nations. One of the mysteries that I continue to struggle with in our generation is that I see in Ephesians Paul going out of his way to reassure and remind a bunch of Gentile believers that they are heirs to the full promises of God in Abraham and Sarah. And today I turn on my radio and I find Protestant ministers beginning to preach that the Jews have no part in the salvation of God. Do you hear the reversal? Those who are once overjoyed that they were allowed to come to God's party, have now taken over the party and expelled the original children of that story. And I think the church needs to call itself back from that place. And they need to do it quickly. For none of us are possessors of all the answers to all the deep questions of faith. We are all friends treading in mystery. A couple of years ago, I was blown away because some scientists had figured out that at the moment of conception in a human life, when the the, the part that the man is contributing comes together with the part that the woman is contributing, at that moment of conception, when both parts say yes, a spark of light is released. Did you know that? It turns out that as a few other scientists began to confirm the observation. It, it turned out that the spark of light was actually caused by something left there by the scientists who were studying the event. And I was so crestfallen this year to read that it's not actually true. <laughs> for a minute there, I was caught up in the deeper kind of mystery. And then for another moment, I'm now saying, well, the mystery may be what does actually go on in those scientific laboratories? There are truths and then there are truths. But the kind of truth that we deal with as people of faith, they're not easily, they're not easily approached in the mind. The, the mind has to allow the mystery to make its way into the heart. But the scriptures don't stop there. That which is manifest in the heart has to make its way into the gut. One of my favorite words to learn when I was studying Greek was splagnitzomai. Isn't that a great word? Splagnitzomai. 
It's a, it's a word that describes the kind of passion that you only feel in the gut. And you're so far at that point from rational thought. And religious people are caught up in this splagnitzomai all the time. We are overcome with it. And we, we look for ways to affirm it in one another. We look for ways to, to celebrate it. We look for ways to challenge it. And so we turn to the rites and the rituals and the songs and the creeds and the celebrations and even the superstitions of our lives, and we say, this is how we make sense. This is how we make sense. And from time to time, we, are, we fall into a kind of a dangerous trap where all of the comfort of these repeating rituals allow us to lull ourselves into believing we have all the answers. The call to know Christ in the mystery of the epiphany is a call to humility to the whole church to acknowledge that there is more we don't know than what we do. Or as Hamlet said to Horatio, there are more things in heaven and earth than are dreamt of in your philosophy. Or as Paul said to the church in Corinth, what no eye has seen, nor ear has heard, nor mind conceived is the very thing that God has in store for you. Powerful stuff, but it's mystery. Every so often when I think about the church, and particularly at this time of year, and I look to where we might be in the next year, I turn to some of the great leadership gurus that are on my bookshelf. Peter Drucker, that great management and leader uh, professor from Claremont who, who died just after the turn of the century. Peter Drucker saying... One very helpfully one day that computers changed the way we live in the world as he predicted they would, but they did not change the way we live in the world in the way that he thought they would. He thought it was going to make everything more efficient. And look at the mess they have made. The great, wonderful mess in which all of the the known things that we can know are all available at our fingertips and all you have to do is launch the Google and hit the search and you can find out that there is no spark of light at the point of conception or whatever else you want to know about. I remember Drucker saying that when you collect data and you collect data and you store data and you collect data, it means nothing until you arrange all that data into something that we call information. And then you make it meaningful. And he, he had a whole section that I read with great interest because he was talking about churches and why they grow or why they decline. And he was saying that the churches that seem to be thriving right now are the ones who, instead of trying to sell their product to a world that doesn't want it, are listening to what the customers want and basing what they do on that. He said, this should be a lesson for all businesses. You made a product, wonderful. Instead of trying to sell that product, why don't you find out what the people want and then try to give that to them? And we say, well, but how can we let go of all the things that are familiar to us? How can we 
change? How can we adapt? How can we, I mean, we would have to change too many things. And why would we give the gospel to other people as, as just tell them to make it what they want to make it? Well, there are things within the mysteries of God that um, we still haven't confronted. And one of them is that the God who speaks to your heart and mine is also speaking to those strangers. God isn't talking to us alone. We're not giving answers to the world. We're providing a safe place for the world to encounter mystery. The deep mysteries of God. And we use these words, words that inspired others in mystery, we use them as the launching place for a fantastic conversation. Now, I let my mind go and I let my heart go from time to time into crazy bill land. It's a place you don't really want to go alone at night. But I thought one day, if the creation was not just this world in which we're living, but all of the universe, bear with me, this is not scriptural, this is just your pastor. And God said, go forth and be fruitful and multiply. What if God meant to the ends of the stars? What if the message of grace was not meant just for this globe, but for everywhere? We have space exploration just in its infancy. What if we're supposed to be messengers that go forth? Who in here would like to be the first chaplain on the colony of the moon or on Mars? Sounds silly, doesn't it? But I promise you in another 1,500 years, if the Lord doesn't return, somebody's going to be grappling with that question, and they're going to be looking through all of this book for the answers to it. And right they should. Because what they're going to find in here is that the mysteries of God go far beyond what we can comprehend. So far, so wide, so deep. For me, this does not nullify the message of the gospel, but it makes this table set before you today all the more precious. Because our audacious claim is that in Jesus Christ, we have God's self-revelation. This is the part of the mystery God has allowed us to know. Today, as you come forward, take the bread and to take the cup, would you use it as a launching pad into the mystery of God? Can you allow yourself to let go of the answers that you're sure of? And curling your toes over the edge of the mystery, throw yourself out, trusting that God will catch you and bear you up and bring you home. The beloved community, said Paul, is meant for all people. Wise travelers from Asia came to show us how to encounter the mystery because they knelt to worship. And Paul came to show us how to be in mission 
to those who are part of some other place and don't come here every Sunday so that they can add their voice and their tile to the mosaic and they can help us understand the mysteries that are far deeper than any one of us. Amen.